My daughter told me that when I take a drink, y'all can hear me swallow. <laughs> so thanks for making me feel so So I kind of moved the mic down so y'all couldn't hear me swallow so much. I didn't know if y'all could hear me. So please rise for the reading of the word. It's going to be Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of your Lord your God. And in it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor the stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Will you pray with me? My Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, and I just thank you for this opportunity to serve you. Father, you know that I've had just a troubling week this week, and uh, I just ask that you'll give me strength to deliver this message that you have given me. Father, I pray that hearts and minds will be opened up to receive your word and take it for what you have for us. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we give you all the glory. Actually, saints, in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So, as many of y'all, these days, our weeks are pretty busy. And, uh, you know, with work, with church, with kids being in sports, with doctor's appointments, with everything going on, you know, I've been pretty just wore out. Uh, my wife and I were very involved in the Mayas community. So we have Emmaus meetings that we go to several times a month. The last Monday of the month, we go to Haskell. The second Monday of the month rotates between the big meetings between Haskell, Graham, Albany, and Throckmorton. And then last Monday, I was asked to give a talk at the meeting community for the Santa Rosa area around over there by Vernon. And then we also try to get involved in as much of the candlelights and send-offs and everything that we can possibly get involved in. And then the kids have sports, and they have doctor's appointments, so we're just wore out. So I've been having these dreams here lately, and I don't remember much about the details, but I know in these dreams I'm either at work somewhere and I'm just running around fast-paced trying to keep up, or I'm on vacation and the kids are running around wanting to play, so I'm trying to keep up with them. But I've been waking up just exhausted. You know, now hunting seasons came up, so I've got even more stuff going on. And I'll tell you, we were so tired that last Monday on Labor Day we were planning on getting up and going hunting, and we just slept through it. So I've, I got up last Monday and I read the, Bible, the verse of the day, the first thing I do, it was Matthew eleven twenty eight. It said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and we will give you rest. So I knew right away God was telling me, you're, you know, your life's just too busy, you need to slow down. So I want to talk about the Sabbath, but I don't want to talk about the law of the Sabbath. I want to talk about the love of the Sabbath. So in order to do that, we have to understand where the Sabbath comes from. So if you look all the way back in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 and 3, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So the groundwork of the, from the Sabbath started at the creation of earth. And when God sets something apart, he's making it holy. And then in Exodus 16, we see again, the Israelites, had, they were on their trip to the promised land. And they were, after all the things that they've seen, 
And after the parting of the Red Seas, they still couldn't see God. And they were complaining to Moses that they were hungry and that they wanted more food. So the Lord told Moses that he was going to bless them. He said that he would bring meat in the evening and bread in the mornings. So that day, quail filled their camp, and they had all the meat they wanted. And the next morning when they woke up, there was a frost on the ground, and when it dried, there was the manna. So they were told on the first five days to gather enough for one day and to cook it and prepare it, and whatever they didn't eat, they needed to throw it away. Well, you know how stubborn men are. Some of them kept enough for the next day, and when they got up the next morning, it was, uh, had maggots and was full. But on the sixth day, they were told to get enough for two days and to boil it or bake it, whichever they wanted to do, so they would have it for both days. And in Exodus 16, 27 through 30, it says, Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given us the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay, on, stay, well, everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day, and no one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. See, they were told not even to cook on the seventh day. They wanted, God told them to prepare everything on the sixth day. Because God knows when we get into our daily routines that sometimes we forget about God. And the focus of the Sabbath is, is to focus on God and not, not on our personal lives. And see, we get to the fourth commandment, Exodus 28 through 11. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord. In it you shall do no work, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor the stranger who was within your gates. For in six days the Lord makes the heavens and the earth, and in them, and that, and that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and held it. So first of all, I want to give you some guys some advice. Okay, it says, you shall not do no work, nor your son, nor your daughter. So none of you guys go home and tell your wife to do everything. Because it doesn't say that your wife's not supposed to do anything. But I'm telling you now, it's not going to work out good for you. But I want, to, I, want you, I want to notice a couple things here. It says, remember the Sabbath. See, in this command, God had already established it. He wasn't telling you thou shalt not. He was telling you to remember it. And second, God wants everyone to rest, the servants and the livestock. God's, God is so concerned about our well-being that he put it in a commandment for us to rest. I want you to think about that for a minute. He tells us not to kill. He tells us not to steal. And he tells us to rest. So it's got to be pretty important. So throughout the rest of the Old Testament, God reveals more and more details about the Sabbath. At the end of Exodus, the Sabbath is identified as Israel's sign of the Mosaic Covenant and is given the punishment of death to those who don't keep it. Leviticus and Numbers adds in that the land should also have a rest and that the year of Jubilee, all the land should be given back to the rightful owners. It also tells about the religious celebrations and sacrifices that are to be given. In Deuteronomy, it reiterates the commands, but adds in God's redemption of Israel and the responsibility towards slaves. Psalms 92 gives us details of the types of worship allowed on the Sabbath. And then the prophets tell us about the misunderstandings and the misuse of the Sabbath and remind us of the promised blessings to those who keep it. I know, I was already thinking that. I've been wanting to get a drink for a while, but I was sitting there thinking, ah, can't do it. Thanks a lot, kid. 
So starting in Genesis and going all the way through the Old Testament, God is slowly developing the Sabbath. Each time he's drawing the Israelites closer to him. And I think that's something important for us to realize because can you imagine just for one second if when you become a born-again Christian that God just dumps everything on you? I mean, you would be so overwhelmed, you, just, you wouldn't even know how to handle it. You would probably all be locked up in Red River. So sometimes we get to be, we find ourselves in a rut or we're just stuck and things are just like, come on, God, what's going on? But God's just revealing things to us slowly in the same way that he did the Sabbath. So now we get up to the 400 years in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, which is often called the silent years. So during this time, the uh, Pharisees, Sadducees, and all the little smart people in Israel, they put a lot of attention into interpreting the law, especially the Sabbath, which is for good reason, because about 100 years before Jesus came to earth, over 1,000 Jews were slaughtered because they were attacked on the Sabbath, and they refused to break it by defending themselves. That's dedication right there. So the, the Jewish legalists, they took great pride in their definition, definitions. So they decided that many things classified as work. For instance, to carry a burden on the Sabbath is to work. So then they had to define what a burden was. And they decided that a burden was food equal to the weight of a dry fig, milk enough for one swallow, ink enough to write two letters of the alphabet, and so on. They also argued on if it was against the Sabbath to move a lamp from one place to another, or even to put on an artificial limb or false teeth, which I had no idea they had false teeth back then. <laughs> Just blew my mind when I read that. And they even argued on whether it was against the law for a man to pick up his own child on the Sabbath. See, the religion had become, about, become a legalism of rules and regulations. So then Jesus came along, and he started his ministry. And there was no surprise that there were several times that the Pharisees and Jesus clashed over the interpretations of the law and the Sabbath. Matthew 12, 1 through 8 is one example. In verses 1 and 2, it says, At the time Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck heads of grain and eat. And the Pharisees saw it, and they said, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the, on the, on the Sabbath. So harvesting had become an act that the Pharisees had listed on their Sabbath rules. It was against the law to, to harvest. So by picking wheat and rubbing it in their hands, according to the Pharisees, they were technically harvesting. However, the disciples were picking grain because they were hungry, not to harvest for profit. But the Pharisees couldn't see beyond the technicalities of the law. They had no room for compassion, and they just wanted to accuse Jesus of wrongdoings. And in 3 and 4, Jesus says, Have you not read... What David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priest. You see, Jesus didn't argue about the right and wrong. He didn't argue about the technicalities of harvesting. He just compared his situation to a similar situation involving David and his followers. He was saying, if you condemn me, you also condemn David, which he knew the Pharisees couldn't do because they held David at such high esteem. So in five, 5 through 8, it says, Or have you not read in the law that the Pharisees, or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temples profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Yet I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what it means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, 
you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is the Lord even of the Sabbath. So again, the, Jesus is showing the Pharisees how they've missed how they missed what the law's true purpose was, and that's rest and worship. The priests were allowed to sacrifice and conduct worship services on the Sabbath. Therefore, their work was serving and worshiping God. Well, Jesus wasn't condoning disobeying God's law. He was emphasizing discernment and compassion in enforcing the laws. The Pharisees' main focus of the fourth commandment was thou shalt not work. But Jesus' main focus was remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. So let me put it to you in another way. In Deuteronomy 25.4, it says, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. So I want to ask you all a question. By raise of hands, how many people in here own oxen? Nobody? So if we read that for the literal, then that's just a verse in the Bible that we're supposed to skip. It means absolutely nothing to us. But if we look at the principle of it, it's telling us that we should not withhold benefits from the one doing the work. And now it affects all of us. So in Mark 2, 27, it adds to the same story that Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man and not the man for, Sabbath, or for the Sabbath. See, God created the Sabbath for our benefit. We are restored both physically and spiritually when we take time to rest and to focus on God. Jesus understood that the intent of God's law was to promote love for God and others. So when we're confronted by rules, we need to ask the following questions. Does this rule serve God's purpose? Does this rule reveal God's character? Does this rule help people get to God's kingdom? And does this rule have biblical roots that can be supported by Scripture? So I have a question for y'all. Should Christians today still observe the Sabbath? If you said yes, you are correct. If you said no, you are also correct. See, Paul says in Romans 14, 5 and 6, one person esteems one day above another, another... Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day, observes it for the Lord. And he who does not observe the day, to the Lord he does not deserve it. See, as born-again Christians, we're not bound to the law. However, the wisdom of the law is very significant today. The Sabbath isn't a commandment that we are bound to. It's a promise that we are invited to. Matthew eleven twenty-eight again, says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, when I started this message today, I was telling you all about all the stuff that I have to do, all the places I have to be, all the things that must be done. See, if I can change my heart and I can change my mind to all the things that God's allowing me to do, all the things I get to be involved in, you see, then I can find peace and I can find comfort and I can find rest in Jesus. So the Sabbath to me isn't a law that we must, we must conform to. It is more of a change in our hearts and our minds. And if we can grow in a closer relationship with God, the meaningful, stressless labor can turn into spiritual productivity and purpose. So we're going to have a call to the altar now. The altar will be open for anybody that wants to come, anybody that wants to join the church, anybody that wants just to find rest or has something, that, a prayer concern that they need. The altar is open, so we'll pray and then it will be open. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity just to share the message that you've given me. And Father, I pray that as you continue just to grow me, that this congregation will grow and that we'll be able to go out to the streets and just serve your true purpose. Father, just again, I thank you for today. Thank you for all that you're doing in my life and in this church, Father. I love you and I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.